Welcome to a special edition of Breaking Badness. In this episode for our Summer Camp 2019 miniseries, we are joined by John Olczyk, Senior Principal Analyst and Fellow at ESG. We sat down pre-Black Hat to reflect on the security industry, discuss the cybersecurity skills shortage, as well as trends in the MSP space. This special episode of Breaking Badness is next. All right. Well, first of all, I just want to say welcome, John Olczyk. Thank you so much for being on our podcast today. We're so excited to have you here in our makeshift studio at the Four Seasons. My pleasure. <laughs> Nothing better in Vegas than being on this podcast. Oh, my gosh. No, kind praise. words have never been spoken than that. Thank you. Very high praise. So we're going to jump right in, and we just have a series of questions to ask. Uh, we're just trying to get a sense here of what's going on in the industry. Obviously, these these large events that we all go to every year are a great time to reflect. And there's so much doom and gloom in the industry, lots of FUD. And so we just find it fun to look back and see what we've accomplished. So with that in mind, what is something as an industry we've improved on or changed in the past year? That's a good question. I think uh, our recognition of some of the problems is better. Our communications as an industry is better. Um, the recognition, certainly the recognition outside of the industry. So you guys remember a few years ago, everyone thought, uh, or at least executives thought, we don't need good security, we need good enough security. Mm. That mindset's gone. So that's a good thing, but there's some responsibilities that come with it. And that's, I think, part of what we're working on here at Black Hat. Absolutely. Thank you, John. So along similar lines, what is the greatest threat facing the security industry? What, what keeps you up at night? I know I sound like chicken little in the industry, but I believe that this cybersecurity skills shortage is an existential issue for us. And I don't think we're making much progress. In fact, all of my research suggests it's getting worse. So uh, we need to stop just talking about this and really get together as an industry. Uh, we need governmental support. We need educational support. And we need to think about solutions here. And part of that solution is thinking outside the box. So typically cybersecurity people come from computer science, they come from law enforcement, they come from the military. We need to recruit people with liberal arts degrees. We need to recruit people who have analytic minds, uh, certainly mathematical skills. And so that's a big issue and I don't think we're making enough progress. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And I think we need to acquire the um, the London Tubes Mind the Gap tagline here for the security space maybe moving forward. And I know that you recently did a blog post where you talked about things you're keeping an eye on, five trends at Black Hat. And one of the big ones was managed service providers. And I think the stat was one third of organizations now are using MSPs now or onboarding them to help with that gap. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. I don't remember the exact statistic. I actually think it was higher. Oh, wow. Uh, and um, what we say to every CISO is look at everything you have to do and take a portfolio approach. And so what do you what can you do? What do you do well? What do you need to do well? And what can you offload to others? And so if you're not if you don't have the people and the skills to do manage detection and response or just general log management or what have you, um, there are some good service providers who can help. Now, their services are rather generic. So they won't know your business. They may not know your industry. So you have to 
include that into the calculus of the consideration of those services. Absolutely. That's a great point. And the next question we had which is really actually centered around, again, the skills gap. And we actually were thinking about all these different technical skills that are coming up because of all these new technologies, all the AI, machine learning, all the things you can imagine, EDR, et cetera. So what do you think is a skill that's really important in the industry that isn't discussed? And you might have touched on this a little bit with the type of educational backgrounds that we're pulling into our industry, but what do you think we're missing? Well, we do an annual report uh, research project with the ISSA, the Information Systems Security Association. And the three top skills gaps, as I recall, were cloud security, application security, and security analytics or security analysts. Mm -hmm. Now, cloud security, I mean, we all see all the workloads moving to the cloud. They're moving to heterogeneous clouds. We're moving from uh, uh, virtual servers to containers to serverless applications. So things are changing very quickly. And I think that those cloud security skills are really important for, for companies at large. And so if you are a cloud security architect, you can, uh, you know, kind of print your own ticket and decide where you want to work. You're, you'll certainly make a lot of money and you could have a very, um, you know, enjoyable career. Absolutely. And something that was interesting that you brought up in your blog post that I'd love to touch on briefly is with the serverless space, now the responsibility is being separated or segmented into two groups, right? You have the folks internally that are managing, looking at the API calls and the source code. And then you have the folks, obviously, that you're paying to manage the serverless facilities. So what types of challenges do you see resulting from that new segmentation, if you will? Well, uh, the shared model was always pretty well defined on the cloud provider manages the infrastructure and uh, the customer manages the code. But now the code is infrastructure with serverless because we're talking about API calls and the API calls are dynamic. Uh, They're burstable. So we have uh, a lot of different changes in there. And so it really does change the shared model. And I don't think we as an industry really recognize that yet or have defined what the new shared model is. Mm -hmm. So that was a concern. And I have a colleague, Doug Cahill, who's really looking at that at the show. Oh, that's awesome. We'll have to keep an eye then on the research and the blogs and content that you all create there at ESG. I love keeping up with what's happening in the industry through the the content that you're producing. So thank you for continuing to educate us all in the industry. Really appreciate it. Well, that's that's our job and we love doing it. It comes through in your work and we've enjoyed obviously doing webinars and whatnot with you as well. So um, and just shifting the conversation a little bit, we talk a lot about how to improve the industry, what challenges we're facing in that sense. But a good way to work on the industry is to work on ourselves individually. So what is a goal you have, a personal pet project, professional development, or industry-related goal that you're hoping to achieve or work on this year? Well, one of the initiatives that I focus on is, uh, is an acronym called SOPA, S-O-A-P-A, which stands for Security Operations and Analytics Platform Architecture. Now, Domain Tools is part of that because you are a feeder to that with uh, threat intelligence and you're also an analytics platform. So the way security has grown up is that I've got, uh, as a customer, I would have um, many of these different tools and they'd be separated and I'd have different skills and different people looking at each one, but security's holistic. So 
what's happening in DNS is applicable to what's happening in the network, which may be applicable to certain files that are coming in and certain endpoint behavior. And um, it all works together. So SOPA is a concept, an architectural concept um, to merge all those things. And we as an industry really haven't done a good job of that, nor I should say have, uh, have end users who grew up in a, in a, with a mindset of um, best of breed tools, um, separation of duties, things like that. So I took a page out of the 1990s when we, trans, uh, when we transformed from uh, MRP to ERP. And ERP meant that we were kind of going to a centralized data store, that application could talk to each other. And the thought was that it would improve our business processes. And so that's what SOPA is. It's an integrated architecture to improve our security processes. So that's something I'm really working on um, pretty diligently. Absolutely. And I know you've produced quite a few videos on that. I think I saw part right. two came out fairly recently. Uh, well, no, part one and two with SaaS software. Oh, it's with and SaaS I software. And I would welcome Domain Tools to come to Boston. Yes, we have to have come some now. chowder. <laughs> yes, and uh, and participate in one. Absolutely. And well, I'm now that serious. chowder's on the line, we'll be there. A lobster. Lobster. Yeah. <laughs> Anything with an R in it. Yeah, and, we'll eat it, well, <laughs> and we'll take that R right out. Yeah. Lobster. <laughs> oh my gosh! Perfect. Yes, and we definitely keep a close eye on Swapa and. You're absolutely right. It's a very interesting ecosystem, and it will be it will be keeping a very close eye on what you produce there, and and want to do the best, obviously, by our customers. And what is the what is the phrase? High tide raises all boats. I don't know why I always forget that one. Thank you for knowing that. That's well, I live by the ocean. So <laughs> I have to know. We that. live by the sound, it's so we really have no. You guys, <laughs> life by the ocean. you guys have to know that too. I know. <laughs> So you have a lot of experience working with C-suites, and I'm curious what you see the greatest challenges or maybe miscommunication between the C-level folks like CISOs and the actual security practitioners. Uh, CISOs, especially over the last few years, are really business executives, and it's about really mitigating cyber risk and enabling the business. And too often we get bogged down in technology or um, threat actors and their tactics, techniques, and procedures. Um, we have to, at the end of the day, we have to realize it's about protecting critical assets, um, business assets, and then letting the business do really creative things with technology while mitigating or at least minimizing risk. And so that that's a disconnect. Now, security practitioners have the opportunity to move their careers in different directions. And one of those directions is toward the business. Um, but too often they don't recognize that opportunity and they just kind of get bogged down in like, you know, firewall rules or right. uh, like I said, TTPs or malicious DNS. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so um, I'd say that's, that's the disconnect there. And I, I think we need to bridge that gap. Absolutely. That's the get out of the mosh pit and back to the balcony sort of <laughs> mentality a little bit. Well said. Yes. I like that. <laughs> And that might fit well into our conversation, too, that we're having about the security gap, because if we're only seeing folks from the industry come and feed from certain backgrounds, we might be missing that holistic picture that you're speaking to. Correct. And I, I think, again, I, I, the next generation of CISOs won't have come up through the technology realm. They'll have come up through a much more holistic program. And I'm starting to see some uh, some 
universities build the programs to train the next generation of CISOs. So that's encouraging. Oh, that's great to see and hear. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So transitioning back to, uh, to industry trends, there tend to be annual buzzwords or concepts that appear simultaneously on every vendor booth and hook into every subject line in the emails that are coming out uh, boasting which, which booth you should pop by to. So as an example, threat intelligence was fairly hot a few years back, and now AI seems to be very prevalent. Mm-hmm. So what do you think is the next buzzword or trend um, in the security space? Well, it's hard to predict, and they're all hyperbole. <laughs> it's really dis, uh, you know, very disconcerting. But um, I, I've seen a lot around automation and orchestration. Uh, Gartner has a category called SOAR, and um, it's it's confusing. These that's the thing that's really troubling is that these buzzwords. Uh, are meaningless and they confuse customers and um, it keeps me employed because customers come to us ESG and they say well what 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 do they mean by AI or you know what is machine learning and is it should I look at supervised or unsupervised machine learning and things like that but we're doing our customers a disservice and I, I, I think that's one thing that troubles me is when you come to these shows that there's a party atmosphere we're here to because our job is to protect people's digital assets. And it's a pretty big responsibility. And I think sometimes we, we lose that. Absolutely. Yeah, well said. And uh, just for the sake of a change of pace, too, want to throw a lighter question your way, which is, what's the worst security metaphor you've heard this year? You know, I, there's nothing new under the sun. So there are a couple that I, I hear too often in my role. So one is... You either have been breached and know it, or you've been breached and you don't know it. That one, uh, right. I hate the term "single pane of glass" because they'll <laughs> never, there never will be a single pane of glass. Yeah. Uh, I do appreciate consolidation and integration, but let's not kid ourselves. Um, I don't know. There are just so many of them. It's <laughs> such troubling. Again, <laughs> I, I we we would do our customers such a good uh, service if we were very clear and concise in our language, but there's a lot of money in cybersecurity. Um, There's a lot of marketing hype and, uh, you know, CISOs tell me they don't answer the phone anymore because they're getting so many calls. So that's, that's, it just shouldn't be. Right. And I'm curious if you have any words of wisdom for those folks that are in the vendor process to, to purchase or onboard technologies, just general questions that you would ask to maybe break through that hyperbole and, get to the truth of what those companies are actually offering. Yeah, I don't think you can break that because, I mean, at the at the point of sales, you generally have trained salespeople who are very good at relationship management, and they may have come from Oracle or, you know, somewhere else in the industry, EMC, known for its really good sales force. Um, but I would just suggest that people really prepare for uh, the procurement process. So what problems do you want to solve? How are you going to test to make sure that the solutions solve those or at least address those problems? Yeah. You have to push the vendors around through the procurement and the testing process to make sure that they're being honest and they're actually working with you to solve those problems. So these aren't really pearls of wisdom here, but I do think preparation and 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 pushing and understanding what you're trying to do is really important. Absolutely. 
Yes. We can't get enamored with the technology. We have to think what's the outcome we don't we want. Absolutely, which fits really well into what you're saying before, right? Of having the business mindset and being able to to maybe take a step back and look at it from a a larger or grander idea of what again, what problem is this going to solve and how is this going to protect our customer in a sense, whoever that might be for the organization? Absolutely, yeah. So, I'm curious if in your role, when you're having organizations give you a call and uh, putting queries and in, inquiries about different products or technologies, do you ever find yourself having to explain the value of security and helping basically in- improve or increase the budget to help support um, those different activities and technologies? Does that come up fairly frequently? Occasionally. I mean, really what you're suggesting is uh, when a CISO or a technologist, security technologist, needs help justifying a budget. Absolutely. And so, yeah, that that's uh, that's a role that we'll play, but it, it's occasional. More often than not, people know what they want and they just have questions around which vendors, which products, uh, how to implement them, um, success stories, horror stories, those kinds of things. <laughs> so when you do have those occasional... Uh, folks that you have to persuade, what what do you say to them? How do you try to convert them? <laughs> well, I think you take a step back and you say, well, again, what, what's, what's the business uh, risk here? Yeah. So who are the users that are using this application? Where will it be? Uh, where will it reside? Uh, what data will be transported or what, where will it be stored? Is it sensitive data? So you're trying to get to the risk and then you really kind of explain the risks and the risk mitigation strategies. And that really uh, often, or at least often has uh, the light bulb effect where people say, okay, now I get it. I didn't see that before. Perfect. At least when I'm successful. <laughs> yeah, the light bulb effect. I like that. That's always a wonderful feeling when you can see that in someone's eyes and they've they understand what you're putting down. They're picking up what you're putting down. They're at least uh, you hope that they do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. So just a few more questions we have for you here. Which um, keep going. I'm drinking coffee. I'm in <laughs> Vegas. I'm not There's doing fresh anything. Air. Yeah, <laughs> fresh air. I'm out of the casino. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. So the technology in the security space, as well as techniques, tactics, and threat actors, um, are evolving at a swift pace. So what's your primary source of intelligence for keeping up to date with all these potential threats or just industry knowledge on a high level? Uh, I have access to threat intelligence um, from different sources, but I tend to look at a lot of the threat reports that different uh, vendors put out. I have my favorites, of course, and some, unfortunately, that's become a marketing tool as well. So there are a lot of different threat reports, but there are some really, really good threat analysts. There are people who really understand uh, the cyber adversaries and the threat landscape. So there are a few that I, I tend to look at all the time. And then there are others I just kind of look at uh, occasionally. So before I let you go, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Summer Camp, which, you know, also known as Black Hat besides the DEF CON. So what seems different this year? I know that you are Black Hat at this point hasn't even begun yet, so I don't know if you've had the chance to enter any show floors. Um, but just generally speaking, what do you think seems different this year than previous years? Certainly there are more people. Yeah. I mean, I, I was here yesterday and it started, it was empty yesterday morning and by yesterday afternoon it was packed. Uh, and we've seen that trend at RSA and at Black Hat the last few years. And that's a good thing. Uh, I hope 
people are coming here to learn. I hope people are coming here to maybe advance their careers. Um, but different, I, I can't say much is different. I think uh, the industry as a whole is getting more attention. Uh, there's certainly a lot of more, a lot more money every year at these events. Um, but there's still hyperbole. There's still a lot of co- there are more cocktail parties at Black Hat. That's a change over the last few years. So RSA used to be kind of the industry show where you'd meet with VCs and drink wine and all the silly things you do around money people. But uh, <laughs> And Black Hat was more tacticians. You talked about threats and you got really into the code and things like that. And that's kind of changing, which is sad. Um, maybe that's, I don't stick around for DEF CON. Maybe that's more the DEF CON mentality now. But Black Hat's becoming kind of junior RSA. And uh, and I hope that that doesn't happen. I, I like Black Hat a lot. Uh, I always feel like I learn a lot here. But um, I'm, I'm seeing that industry money, VC, blah, <laughs> coming into play. And I, I don't like that. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to keep an eye on that. And hopefully that trend doesn't continue. But, if uh, you drink the best wine you drink all year at Black Hat, that's a bad sign. It just means that there's too much money here. Right, that's right. <laughs> it's very true. So I'd, I'd love to end our interview on a positive note. And although there are so many security professionals out there fighting the good fight, um, security can be a fairly thankless job. And so I'm wondering for you personally, if there's someone you look up to in the security industry. Well, I've learned a lot from people who are senior to me, and uh, I've got my beacons in the industry. Uh, I'm happy to see some companies being much more um, outgoing with security, let's say. So, um, for instance, Google's embraced security. I mean, not that they hadn't in the past, but now they have uh, Chronicle and Backstory. Microsoft has Azure Sentinel. Microsoft has put a lot of uh, investment into security over the past few years. Um, Of course, Amazon, and we've just had Reinforce in Boston. Um, So there's no one particular person. There are a lot of people that I look up to. Um, But I'll go back to what I said before, that um, security is a business service. And I often use the analogy that I live in Boston, and you don't think about paying for heat to keep your employees warm in the winter. Um, You shouldn't think about security. Now, we as an industry have to get better at ROI. So budgets are going up every year, but business people are saying, well, what am I getting for my incremental spend? And we haven't done that very well. So uh, I think that's an area that I'm paying attention to, the return on investment, uh, risk management. Uh, and there are some uh, some beacons that I look up to there as well. I love that. So I don't didn't really answer your question about people, but I, I gave you a couple of topics I'm looking at. I like that. No, and I, I love that you said the beacons of the industry. That's yes, a nice and a lot of them are here, which is, and that's part of the fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, John, thank you so much for yeah, your time. We've you loved so having you up here and... Uh, we'll serve you coffee and pastries anytime. <laughs> and I won't spill your coffee next time, That's I okay. promise. That's why they bring the jug. It's prepared. They did bring the jug, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll have some more. Yes, please do. Well, thank you again, and um, hopefully we can do this again sometime. Maybe we'll come out to Boston, we'll do a video, we'll do another podcast. and Love for you guys to do that. That sounds wonderful. Well, thank you for your time. My pleasure. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at blog.com. 
www.domaintools.com. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's it for this week. We'll see you again next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.